Guten Tag and welcome to Schwarz-Weiß-Rauschen. And I'll stop right there because my German is non-existent and that's directly from Google Translate, so bound to be grammatically incorrect. So we're back again for another episode, reunited once more, the boys from the noise, as literally no one calls us. Uh, I'm Stephen Dunkerley and my co-host is always Michael Thomas. Hello, good evening. Uh, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, never before have we had a bona fide Scottish football legend, an inductee into the Hall of Fame. And to be fair, we still don't. But what we do have is a man whose list of honours includes three Premier League winners medals, two Scottish Cups, four League Cups with two different clubs, a Championship Playoff winners medal in England, 31 caps for Scotland, and undoubtedly the scorer of the greatest ever goal by a Scottish side in Europe. Our guest today is Stephen Whitaker. Hello, Stephen. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, you've obviously had a, a wonderful career to date. Uh, how does it feel at the age of 36 to finally reach the peak and sign for the Pars? That's the moment I've been waiting for. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, joking apart, it's a club that I've always admired. Um, it's not obviously too far from Edinburgh, and um, it's even at this stage of my career, it was something that excited me, and um, really looking forward to this season. Even though um, with the restrictions that we'll talk about, it's been difficult, but um, I'm still looking forward to getting on the pitch and, and playing for Dunfermline. Great stuff. In all seriousness, we heard, uh, obviously, when you left Tibbs, there was quite a few offers or options that you had. What was the deciding factor in coming to join us? Was it the opportunity to, to coach or, like you said, obviously, it was close to, to Edinburgh? Was it a combination of things? Yeah, I think it ticked a lot of boxes, um, you know, having a, a look at what was out there. Um, coming to meet the manager, meet the chairman. Um, I could see the, the care and, and the really the drive that they had for the club to be successful. Um, and it was something I wanted to be a part of. Um, alongside that, the coaching role that the, the manager wanted me to, to take up and, and work on. Um, you know, it's a relatively new role for me, but something that I'm really enjoying. Um, alongside still being able to play and try and help, you know, the younger ones in the team and helping them on the pitch as well. So, and again, not too far from home. So all the boxes um, and this opportunity really, really worked and something that I was keen to do. You have done a bit of coaching before at Hibs, if I'm, I'm right. Did you, you helped Eddie May out when he took over. Was that is that correct? Yeah, so I've been through my badges, um, kind of got all of them done. Um, when I was at Hibs, whenever I wasn't involved in playing, um, you know, I, the managers used me in different roles. So I was sometimes in the stand, uh, on, the, on the microphones, to the bench. Um, so it was good to have something to focus on when you're not, you know, on the pitch doing the football itself. So um, that was great. Um, obviously, the, 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 the couple of weeks that Eddie got charged, uh, myself and Grant Murray got kind of assist, assistant to him. So that was, again, something that I enjoyed. Um, it almost confirmed that it was something that I wanted to, to go into and, and look into further, which which is obviously the role that I've kind of taken up at Dunfermline. So um, it's definitely the, the path that I'm, I'm looking to go down. Perfect. Uh, one thing I was going to ask, obviously the, the club's been taken over, or is in the process of getting taken over of, of the uh, DFC Football GmbH uh, by the other 45.1% in the next couple of years. Uh, obviously, the, what we've been told is this deal was in place uh, pre-COVID, and then it was put into abeyance, and then uh, the, the, the German consortiums rekindled a, a few weeks ago. It caught us as fans all by surprise. Did you, obviously, be signing in June, know anything about it? Was it uh, was there any whispers about it, or was it something you were told about? Yeah, it was something that was in the background that the club had kind of been working on, and um, I know there was kind of partnerships and investments there to come alongside the club and, and work with us. So, um, again, I think it's an exciting thing. Um, there's obviously a long-term project there that we're, we're all looking at work towards um, but these things all take time to get put in place and I think with the COVID and the restrictions of the virus at the minute it's, it's going to maybe take slightly longer but it's again I think it's something that the fans and the club can can really get excited about. I, I think having spoken to one or two members of the board and, and, and listened to how, how tough it's been since they took over I, I 
completely understand. They're, they're saying that they've run the, the club really prudently for five years. For four out of those five years, they've made a small profit. And then they had the perfect storm one year. They had about 14 or 15 guys that they had to pay for operations. Uh, results weren't good, so the management team was changed and that cost money. They, they wipe out all the reserves by suffering a, a £600,000, £700,000 loss. Uh, so I, I, I can completely see why they've done it. It just, it just took us as fans by surprise. Uh, I think, Michael, there's maybe some solace in the fact that you know they're, it's a German consortium. Uh, if ever there was a country that seems to uh, value the marriage between club and fans, it, it seems to be German, the uh, football clubs in Germany. Mm. Uh, also, the fact they're from uh, St. Pauli stock, which you know seem to have a very fan-centric ethos, uh, and it seems to be that you know these guys have got a bit sold to them. It seems to be that's what they've they've seen and done firmly, and they've seen a, a club that maybe mirrors their own uh, ethics or, or, or viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I have to admit, my, my first reaction when I heard of it, it was to check the date, make sure it wasn't April the first. Uh, and then my second reaction was to check the date again, just to be absolutely sure. But um, yeah, no, it's it's exciting. It's uh, strange, and um, it's it's hard to know quite how to take it. Uh, obviously, with with all the stuff the club's gone through in recent years, there's a uh, kind of a, an element of feeling a bit cautious and a bit nervous about things. But I think um, from everything we've heard from them so far, and everything we've heard about them, and the the, the glowing things that Ross had said about them and so on, um, I think there's every reason to be optimistic. Um, so I think we'll just have to have to wait and see. But I think um, cautious optimism is uh, is the order of the day for me. Right, you've got to take them at face value from what they're saying. Mm. Uh, but my understanding is they're looking for some sort of return on their investment, but they want to do things the right way. So we mentioned training complex developing our own talent, expanding our scouting network. Uh, I think we'll look and see if we can get one or two gems from, from the continent. Guys who want to play in England, uh, showcase their talents in, in Scotland and, and get them moved down south. Obviously, Stephen, you know all about that as well. Uh, they're probably buoyed by the likes of Lyndon Dykes going from Livingston, a club yeah. similar size, slightly smaller than us. We're not, we're not getting to that debate, but you know they, they've managed to hold out because they're a Premier League club for for two million, and Aberdeen today up to five million pounds for for McKenna uh, down down to Notts Forest. So there's obviously the chance to make money on transfer fees by moving from the Premier League down to England. Uh, obviously, we don't know what sort of profit they would take themselves and dividends if they do make a, a make it. But I, I guess if they're wanting to. Uh, if they want to make a return on their investment. They've got to get the club in a better place than sixth place in the championship. I think. I think. And what you said there, the the biggest part of that is the structure from youth right through to the first team, and that's something I think the club will work on. Um, getting our own training facilities, working on these young kids, making them better players. Hopefully, to get in the first team, sell them on product of your academy. And that's the, the long-term goal, I think, for the club is to have this all in place. Um, I think for Scottish teams to have that is important. There's not too many that have their own training base, so if Dunfermline can kind of sort that out in the, whenever that may be, hopefully not too distant future, um, it's only a great thing for the club. Have you spoken to Thomas Megal, who seems to be the, the most hands-on of the, the four that are fronting the consortium? I think he's the, the football um man of them so um, yeah he was over at the weekend and um, the coaching staff kind of got introduced to him so um, it seems like he's a really good guy and really wants to work alongside and, and he believes in the people that are in there um, already you know Ross the manager the coaching staff that are there and he wants, wants to work alongside us and, and make us a better a better place a better environment I spoke about the structure already we can improve on that so um, these are all things that we're hoping to improve at the club. Aye. And there's, there's, there's opportunities as well. I was looking today just to check out the, the nuts and bolts of it, but there's there's going to be the new European competition as well, the, 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 the European Conference League. So it looks like Scotland will have up to six European places each season. If this thing does take off, obviously we're in really uncertain times at the moment. It's maybe not the best time to launch a third the third. Uh, Club competition, but assuming it does happen, it gives clubs like uh, Dunfermline a chance to 
get into Europe or more of a chance and, and for players to showcase their talents there as well. So uh, I think they've certainly seen an opportunity for growth. You know, they, they maybe realise that we, we could be playing at a higher level. We could be established in the top league. Uh, and it's nice to hear that. And, and, and they seem to be, from what we understand, really good calibre of people. It's just, it's, it's, there's no guarantees though, is there? You, you can have all the all you can have money. You can have all the right uh, intentions. You can have all the training facilities, but you know, th- there's no magic wand. No, definitely, it takes hard work, um, and that's where the right people and the jobs need need to kind of step up and and make sure that we're we're going along the like right lines, and um, hopefully we'll get there, uh, not too far away. On to the, the the playing side of things, obviously, I guess partly just because of the, the circumstances of uh, of COVID and just the way Dunfermline were operating, there's been a massive overhaul of players. Seventeen went at the end of last season. Uh, got a ton of new faces in. I've just got a note of them all. Hopefully, I don't miss anyone. There's obviously yourself, Stephen. Uh, we've got Paul Watson who's joined to strengthen the back line. Ian Wilson and uh, the Celtic will need Kerry McEnroy in, in midfield. Uh, Kevin O'Hara and Declan McManus returning up front. Dom Thomas on the wing, who really impressed last year. Mm-hmm. Owen Fon Williams, who was also on loan last year. And um, we've just heard that, that Fraser Murray has signed uh, from Hibs on loan as well, someone you'll know a lot about. So, so you've been, well, I don't know how many training sessions you've had now, Stephen, but you've obviously had a, had a few and a couple of friendlies. Is there anyone or, or any group that have, have impressed you so far? Yeah, I think. The boys' attitude, first and foremost, has been great. Um, you know, it's been a difficult time coming back into the game after so long off. Even myself, I've never had that amount of time off football ever. Um, so, so it was important that we still looked after ourselves and we had programmes to do. It's important that we've done that and the boys' attitude to that and then coming in to do pre-season training has been great. Um, after that, we then have to work on the team. We have to work on the technical side of it. Um, how we're going to play, which we've been doing in the last few weeks. So the two games that we've played, we've got better in and we'll look to continue that progress leading up to the, the competitive game. So we've still got a few to go and a few things we want to work on. But, um, you know, first thoughts are positive and um, there's definitely always improvement in there that we'll look to do kind of each day in each game as, as we go. It's going to be the oddest start to the season though when you line up against... Uh... Dumbarton. I was going to say Inverness there, but I'm getting ahead of myself against Dumbarton. When you're it, there's nobody there and it feels exactly like a training game. It's going to be. I mean, I don't know how easy it's going to be to flick a switch and realise that this is this, this is the real deal. Yeah, it's. Um, I'll find that strange as well. Um, I think everyone will, and it's about adapting the quickest, I suppose. Um, if us as players or a club can adapt to that environment quicker, then that will put us in a better place and a better start to the season. So that's how we have to try and approach it and, and kind of set the mindset of the players um, to approach it like that. Uh, that's the only the way we can to give us the best the best start. Well, under normal circumstances, I, th- I think that Hearts would be very difficult to stop. But uh, you're looking at it, like you're saying, if they don't adapt well to it in the 27-game season, you never know. There could be some sort of surprise. I guess that's what the clubs like ourselves and Dundee and, and Inverness are banking on. Yeah, um, we don't know how everyone's going to adapt until it happens. So um, I think us ourselves will just try and focus on what we can do and how we can approach it. And hopefully it'll, it'll work out um, when we're ready to go. Are you training at Aloha? Is that correct? Training at Aloha every day? How, how are you finding that? It's all right. It's um, again with the restrictions, we're turning up and kit, training, leaving and kit. There's no kind of changing facilities. There's no food available, which is just what we're restricted to at the minute. So mm-hmm. it's all kind of relatively new at the minute. That side of it, um, again, it's Astro for me. I've I've not I've played a couple of games on Astro since I've came back up to Scotland, but not on a daily basis have I spent so 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 much, so much time on on Astro. So I'm kind of getting used to that as well. So. There's a lot of things that we're adapting to, but um, yeah, we're we're getting there and we're still all enjoying it. Does it affect the the body much if you're like you're saying you're on astro, you know, five days a week training and you're not used to that? Does it does it cause issues with the joints or anything like that, or is it just you just mean from yeah. a playing sense it's difficult to adapt to? More the playing sense. Um, I think the body will adapt. I think it's more when you change the surfaces regularly, uh, you might find that it's 
harder on the body, but I think if you're consistently on a surface, you just get used to it. Um, but the, the role of the ball and the, the bounce of the ball is definitely different on the to, to the grass. So um, that's something that we, it's a lot slower sometimes on the Astro, so it's, it's difficult to keep this, maybe the tempo of some of the sessions up that you would like to be a bit quicker. And, and what's your role at training? I know there's five coaches now and you're one of them. Do, do you each take little individual pods of players or, or how do you work it? Yeah, so the sessions kind of, um, the week sessions or two weeks in advance, we'll discuss what we're wanting to, to work on or how we're going to work it. Uh, so we'll all be involved in that. Um, if it's something that maybe I've came up with or I've done in the past, then I'll try and I'll, I'll kind of take it. I'll be involved in it. So that's something, again, I'm getting used to is controlling the session, but then taking part in it, coming out, controlling it. So again, we're, we're learning as we go a little bit, or I am definitely. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a real kind of willingness to learn for me that I want to, to do that part of it in training. Um, it's fine when kind of the other guys are taking it. I'm just kind of a player. I'm there to train it and keep myself fit and ticking over. That, that's the kind of easy part. That's what I'm used to doing. But um, there's um, the other side of it is uh, stepping out and, and taking the guys from time to time. Um, there might be days where at 36, I might not need to do the load that, that these guys do in the week. So I can maybe take a day where I step out and, and coach um, and get myself ready for the weekend. So that there'll be days like that that... Um, Again, as we go forward, my kind of schedule, if you like, I'll, I'll kind of know what's going to suit me going forward and then definitely take a kind of more forward role in the coaching side of it. And, and do you envisage being involved in team selection and tactics and things like that? Yeah, all of it. Um, you know, I'm there to kind of have an opinion. The manager said that when, when I signed and I was part of the coaching role. Um, you know, hopefully the experiences and, and the levels that I've played it, I can have a, a say and an impact on what happens at the club. So, yeah, yeah, I'm there to voice my opinion and, and, and we'll take it for there, really. You can be the first name on the team sheet. Well, in my opinion. <laughs> got, got to play that Whitaker in centre midfield. <laughs> so, moving on then to the, the, the League Cup. It's a competition, obviously, that's been at the start of the season for the last wee while and the firm have done quite well with it. I've got another interesting draw with uh, lower league opposition in Falkirk. <laughs> you heard that right. Uh, Clyde and Dumbarton uh, and, and obviously the, the Premier League opposition in, in Killy. I, I guess the target is to win the, the three games and, and, and see where we where we can get it going away to Killy, which will be the toughest game on paper. Yeah, the target will be to be fit and ready and ready to go when that first game kicks off. Um each game will be treated as kind of individual. We'll do our homework and we'll we'll go into our game plan to try and win the game, each game. So after that, we'll, we'll have to just see where we, where we come in the league. Obviously, our aim is to, to, to qualify for the next stage. That's big for the club. Like I say, the club's done well in the competition, so we want to continue that. Um, and yeah, that's that's the way we're looking at it. Yeah, we've, some, we've done well. We had some good ties at Celtic and at home to Hearts in the last few years. It's, it's been quite good for the for the team, certainly at the start of the season. Uh it's going to be really difficult to scout, though, I would imagine. Before you just rock up and take in some pre-season games and you know, get a feel for what the, what the clubs are trying to do, it must be more and more difficult. I think there'll be some kind of uh, media or video links that we can get to games that we can still watch it back. So there'll still be ways and means to do it. It just might not be, like you say, going to the game and, and watching it that way. Um, there might be certain ones that the manager or... Um, some of the coaches can go to depending on the restrictions, but um, let's say we'll, we'll make the, the best of it that we can. Aye. I'm guessing that for someone who watches the game in a more sophisticated fashion, to me, it, it probably can't replicate being in the stand and watching it and seeing the shape of the teams and, and, and how, they, how they're moving about. Uh, like, you know, you put me in the stand or you put me watching telly, I wouldn't know one way or the other, but, you know, for someone who's played the game, you, you must get a better feel for being there in person. Yeah, I think you probably would. Um, I think it's better to see it live and see the, like you say, the movements. If you're overlooking the whole kind of structure of each team, then it'd be, it'd be easier to, to watch it there and then. But um, if you've got a wide enough camera lens, hopefully you can still get the same the same kind of, yeah, just from that as well. So let's say we'll see what, what we can get a hold of and, and take it from there. 
Uh, onto the league, we've got quite a hard start against Inverness, and then we've got Aloha away, Queen of the South at home, Air away. So there's no such thing as an easy game in, in, in the Championship. You know, a lot of the teams are, are much of a muchness, but on the face of it, we have a, a reasonable chance to start off well. Uh, and then we've got a Hearts looming in the, the fifth game of the season, which will be the huge challenge for us. So I, I take it if we're going to realistically challenge, we're going to have to look for a reasonable points tally uh, for the first few, few first few games. I think yeah, what you've mentioned with the the twenty seven kind of games this season is is important for a good start. You want you don't want to be left behind early doors. So um, yeah, we'll be looking to hit the ground running. Uh, we want to take points from obviously opening home game, you want to kind of try and win that and build on that and get the momentum going as early as we can. So that, that'll be the aim and hopefully we can, um, like I say, momentum and confidence is, is, is great and the earlier we can start that run, the, the better really. It feels, Stephen, like um, there's there's less room for error in a shorter season. Like, um, you know, normally you lose two or three games in a wider season, you, you've got more time to catch up. It feels like there's going to be less chance for anyone to undo a bad spell is that is that something you'd agree with or definitely i think that's yeah that was the way it'll be i think if you get left behind early there's less games to make it up so that's something that we'll we'll be trying to avoid um i think if if you can get into the habit of winning and habits probably the key word here is make it a habit you know get in that mm. uh, rhythm of just winning games and we're not going to play fantastic every week. No team does, but if you find a way to get the points at the end of the day, you still end up with this momentum in the run that you want to kind of go on and get the most points we can. So um, it's important, like you say, that we that we do win games of football and try and get the club towards the top end of the league. So hopefully helpful as well and caused by the, the German investment. We got a lot of our business done early. I know there's still one or two guys coming in, like you're saying, Fraser Murray's just signed and, and the boy, uh, boy from Celtic signed the other day. But a lot, a lot of the guys that did come in came in quite early. I know we've just started pre-season, you know, a few weeks ago, but the, the nucleus of the squad was there for day one. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's probably helped us all get together pre-season. And these guys that are coming in now, they're lone players, so they've probably trained more than us. They've been going, the SPL teams have been going longer. So these guys should... To come in and and be you know right where we are or maybe even ahead of us fitness wise and sharpness wise so mm -hmm. um yeah it's great that we managed to get the work done early and and build build the squad together through pre-season i was hearing your fitness stats are pretty good though steven even at 36. <laughs> i don't want to say too much but the the distance wise is fine i don't know if the speed's quite the same <laughs> but um hopefully the the experience and the sharpness um, and, the, and the brain and the mind can keep keep me ahead of the game. So um, I've always kind of been okay at this running side of it. Um, and it's just built up that kind of base fitness that, that you get from, from being a footballer for over 20 years. So, um, yeah, it's something that um, I, I, I don't want to say I enjoy it, but it's something that needs to be done. If you're going to be a professional football player, you need to be fit and get about the pitch. So um, at 36, I'll still be trying to do that. Certainly, I mean the, the young lads don't have any excuse if they don't uh, if they don't do their work. You go, well, I'm 36. Yeah, I'm doing it. You do it. Yeah, hopefully I can use my voice in that manner and, and <laughs> control a few of their their legs and their runs and help me out a little bit. But um, listen, it's a t it's a team game, a team structure that we're going to build around the, the game. So um, everyone needs to do the, have their role and, and do it to the best they can. It brings me on nicely to the next question. How, how long do you envisage playing? Is it, is it year by year at the moment, just to see how you feel each pre-season? Yeah, I, th I think it is. And I think that was all that I spoke about and the manager spoke about when, when kind of coming to Dunfermline. Um, I came back up from Norwich and, and was at Hibs for three years. They've taken me up to my kind of 36th birthday. And at that point, I thought, yeah, like, let's have a look at it at that point and see if, you know, you still you know, have the love for the game or still have the drive to want to play. But, you know, I was playing for... A, for Hibs week in, week out when, when kind of lockdown came. So I knew I could still do it and I still wanted to do it. So it was just finding that right opportunity. But I think, like you say, at my age or at, in my mind, um, season by season is um, how I'm kind of approaching it at the minute. So, so there's a chance you could be at Dunfermline for, for a wee while anyway, uh, whether it be playing or coaching. Uh, it's just 
it's by no means just the one year. It's, it's just wait and see how we are at the end of the season. Definitely, yeah. Um, look, I'm I'm in it full heartedly. I want the club to do well. I'm here and playing, coaching. I'm here to try and improve um, the club myself. So it's all it's all about improvement and, and the next progression for me. Um, and how long that will last, then we just kind of need to wait and see how how it all unfolds. Um, whether I go fully into the coaching role after this, whether I still want to play, um, whether Dunfermline still want me to play, there's always a question that needs to be answered. But I think at my age, I think the short terms the kind of most important, and kind of season by season, like I say, is how, how I'm going to approach it at the minute. You think you might manage one day in the future? You might give it a go. You think that's something you would like to look into if the opportunity arises? Possibly. Again, it's something that. I'm probably working towards whether I want to do it or not. I think you get the taste of it and then you might um, think of it's for you or not then. It's definitely something that, um, you know, I've done um, the football management course at the, the university that the PFA put on this year. Passed that through in March. Um, obviously done the licenses, the A license, allowing you to be a manager. So I'm ticking all the boxes. Um, I really want to kind of, be a good coach first and foremost that you need I think you need to be to be a manager now so and be quite hands-on on the training field so again it's a progression for me and, and whether it builds into me being a manager one day we kind of need to wait and see. Uh, next thing I was going to do is just talk about your career to date if that's okay with you? Yeah I might be here a long time though. <laughs> uh, we'll do the highlights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, you started obviously at uh, Hutchie Vale, so it was the, the production line that came from there and signed for Hibs in 2001-2002 uh, season. Or you made your debut there anyway. Debut was there. Uh, That's right. How did uh, signing with Hibs go down with the family? Why did you ask that question? <laughs> I believe you're from Hartstock. Yeah, well, yeah, my whole family are, to be honest. Um, yeah, I was brought up supporting Hearts, the whole family, my dad, sisters, they were all... Um, Jambos, if you like, and um, my sister's even married to Jambos, so I couldn't really get away from them. So, um, but to be honest, growing through the levels from kind of well, when I signed with Hutchibale, I was 11, but round about 12, 13, it was always Hibs that I went and played for. Um, Hearts came on the scene later on, um, round about 15, 16, they, they showed interest, but I had a really good affiliation with Hibs right from a young age, so. On the playing sense of it, it was always Hibs um, that showed the interest in me first and foremost and uh, eventually managed to, to work my way getting a contract uh, full-time when I was 16 in, in 2000s when I went and took that jump, signed a one-year contract and um, within that, I think within that year, I think it was three or four months in, I'd signed a new five-year deal. So they obviously seen the potential in me quite early doors and then it was down to me to prove, to prove my worth and, and work my way into the first team from there. And your breakthrough season was 2003-2004 under Tony Mowbray. Uh, yeah. If I remember rightly, I mean, that, that was a great team to watch. It must have been a great team to play with. There was lots of young talent and they were, you know, played at a great pace, played the game the right way. So it must have been a really good start to your career there. Yeah, well, it was, it was Bobby Wilson that gave me my debut. Ah, right, OK. When I was, yeah, 17, just turning 18, really. It was the last game of the season. Uh, we, we won away to St Johnston, 1-0, I came on the last 20 minutes. Um, and then it was the following season, again, Bobby was still the manager, I was kind of in and out, substitute appearances, things like that. But then the following season, yeah, Tony was the manager. And that was when I was more of a consistent player in the first team. Um, and it was great, it seemed to be a good fit. Uh, Tony came up from the, taking the, youths, the youth side at Ipswich, um, and we had a lot of young boys in, in that Hibs team at the time, and we just seemed to click. Um, and he had us playing this kind of free-flowing, attractive football that everyone really liked to watch. Um, our downfall was our consistency. Probably we would show up one week and, and you know give Bill Firm a, a good game and take points off them, and the next week we'd go away to a, a lesser side, if you like, and, and get beat two or three nil. So um, we had that in us to, to really to beat the best. But um, again, at that age and where we were in our careers, our consistent levels wasn't great. I dredge up the past, but I think it was the Pars that basically saw Bobby Williamson a 4 1 <laughs> win at Easter Road. But anyway, was those it were the days Crawford and Brewster. Yeah, oh, we yeah, yeah. We couldn't afford the team, but they were still great. 
Uh, I was going to ask you about that. That I remember, you know, Hibs on TV, and they were like saying that they were giving one the old firm again. I think it was Ian McCall said he reckoned Hibs could win the league. Now, obviously, I think that was probably fanciful at the time because the old firm were really strong then. But is there any sense that that team that you played for could have achieved slightly? I think it's hard. I think having the experiences of going to Rangers and having the experience of seeing what it takes. I would never have had that experience then at Hibs. Would we have built up the mentality to to win a league? Do you understand? Do you know what I mean? Because we never had we've never had that as a club. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a hard question to answer. We probably would have had the talent, but would we have had the mindset to go that extra yard to to be able to to win to win a tournament or win a, win a to win a league? It's a it's about being consistent and, and kind of grinding out these results where I was saying where we weren't playing well, we tend to lose. Whereas when I went to Rangers, you had to learn when you're not playing well, you still have to win the game. And that was a that was probably the biggest thing I learned playing the, playing the Rangers. It's probably need something like what happened with Leicester. Absolute, for want of a better word, the perfect storm. That, you know, you get in a, just a crazy run of yeah. momentum and... Or you know the bigger clubs, you would need, you would need that to happen, and Celtic and Rangers both to be having a really bad season at the same time. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, we've never really seen that in just about my lifetime. And that's a good example of, of obviously the underdog coming through and winning. They obviously had the talent to do that. So if you look at it from that point of view, you could maybe say, yeah, on, on, a, on an off chance, we could have maybe done it. Um, but yeah, who knows? Has did pretty well in the cups though. Uh, right then, didn't they? they got, you guys got to the final against Livingston and then a couple of years later you, you won it, I think, and you got to the, this is the League Cup, I think, and in the semi-finals of the Cup quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I won a few medals with Hibs, a couple of runners-ups, but the, I was in the CIS team that won the, the, the League Cup that year and then left to go to Rangers that summer, so mm. yeah. it was almost a kind of perfect way to, to leave the club, if you like. Um, Winning a trophy, I think that team deserved to win a trophy with, like, say, the kind of football that we played over the course of maybe two or three seasons. John Collins was the manager when we won the, the trophy. Um, he kind of took it on from Mowbray, and we still were playing kind of good football, and, and we built up a good team. And it was, like, I said, a mm-hmm. nice way to put all that hard work and good games that we had to win a trophy at the end of it. Was it, I have a strange memory. Was it snowing that day? I think with all seasons on that day, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was crazy. I remember, yeah, it was uh, the picture of Rob Jones scoring the header, running away with a hand in the air, and the snow in the background. That was, uh, <laughs> and then we had sunshine, and it was, it was just, it was a meant really crazy uh, afternoon. But it was uh, a good one for us. I don't remember much about the game. I just remember the sunshine on Leith at the end. It's quite emotional. Yeah. Well, I think it was a while again since we kind of won, won anything. But um, the Scottish Cup one was a big one for the club. Obviously, I wasn't there at the time, but. Um, to win any major, you know, it's, it's a great, great achievement. So um, yeah, it was nice, nice to be there and, and involved in that. Well, we'll ask you about that in a minute. I've actually got a note for that, but we'll, we'll take you on to your Rangers career. Uh, you obviously there five seasons. You won a raft of trophies. I, I, I didn't actually realise three league championships in a row. Uh, that, that didn't register with me. I figured you'd won the league, but I didn't know three in a row. Yeah. So do you think it's fair to say that? I mean, that's... It's great doing it in a domestic level, but there's realistically only going to be one out of two clubs wins the Scottish Premier League. Do you think your biggest achievement was the the UEFA Cup final run in, in 2008? And, and not not you personally, but I'm just saying as a club, you know, because that's quite it's quite monumental to do that. I think what that group of players achieved to get that far and and go, you know, just miss out at the final hurdle was. Was special. It was, I mean, it's obviously one of my personal highlights of my career, and the memories that I've created over that that run was fantastic. Um, and it just shows you that talent doesn't always take you can take you so far. But we had a, I don't know, a grit and a determination to to stay in the matches and, and not get beat first and foremost before you went and won the match. Um, and it took us all the way to the final, and it was a, a great, great, great memories for me. I, I think. I mean, I. I doing a wee bit of research here, looking at the teams that you beat on the way, over yeah. two legs. I, th- I think you maybe dropped out of the Champions League, is that right? And, and went into the Europa League from there. Yeah, so obviously my first season at Rangers was just a, big, a whirlwind. I mean, we were f- we were fighting on four, four fronts. We were still, um, I think we were still ahead in the league 
until the third last game, we went to Easter Road, um, dropped points, which Celtic jumped ahead of us. And we were still winning into the last game. Um, Needing Celtic still had a chance, but they were ahead. They, I think they had to win, beat someone at home and we went away to Aberdeen. I think we ended up dropping points anyway. But that's how close the league came to came came down to. We won the two domestic cups that that um, season and we went all the way to the final to the UEFA Cups. We were almost they were talking about this quadruple in our first season. It was just crazy to think about. Right. Um, and the build-up of games that we ended up having towards the end of that season was, was crazy. The league games just kept mounting up and mounting up and we ended up playing something like, I want to say four games in something like eight days or nine days. It was something crazy, but we were just trying to fit these fixtures in. And if we could have extended that, the fixture list a little bit, we could have maybe won the domestic treble. Um, but it wasn't, wasn't to be that, that season, but it was, it was definitely a great season to be involved in. I mean, you beat, you beat Panathinaikos, Werder Bremen, Sport and Lisbon and Fiorentina. I mean, I, I, I don't think maybe Rangers got enough credit for, for that. I, I didn't realise the run was as good at that. Of course, yeah. the highlight of the whole thing was your goal in Lisbon. Yeah. Um, the, the greatest goal ever scored by a Scotsman in Europe. Is that what, what you're saying or is that? <laughs> I read it somewhere. You read it somewhere. Okay. Yeah. coming in. He's got Cousin there. Yes, is he going on his own? Whitaker, can he put it away? He's done it! Whitaker, wonderful goal! The supporters go berserk. That was a superb goal. Again, from my Rangers highlights, that's when fans come to kind of speak to me. That's the moment they pick out. Um, and it's a personal highlight of for myself to, to watch that back. It's... Um, it was good, good moments. That was a great goal. And obviously, during, during that season, you, you broke into the Scotland squad, albeit we'll, we'll maybe not dwell on your, your debut. Not, not for you personally, but it, was a, it, was a, it wasn't a happy game. No, so going through, when I was at Hibs, I got called into a squad when Walter was the manager. Um, was away to Ukraine and I think there were a couple of injuries and I was doing well at Hibs at the time so I got called up was one of the kind of two of the 20 that was left out they got stripped but it was again a great experience for me to first and foremost just get involved at that level and um, Walter then got the Rangers job, job in, in, inside me and from then playing kind of week in week out with Old Firm got a little bit more recognition and, and worked my way into the team but um, yeah my, my debut was a substitute appearance um, away to Norway and I think we were 4-0 down at the time so I think if I remember correctly I think Gary Caldwell had got sent off centre-back and then I think my centre-back got injured so I actually my, my debut for Scotland was playing centre-back uh, I'd never probably played centre-back in my life so <laughs> it's just ironic how that how it happens um, so yeah beyond that I got a, a little bit better obviously um, I think my first start was against um, Holland at uh, Hamden and we we played really well in the match and we ended up getting uh, beat 1-0 with a late, a late goal um, mm. again it was a better performance and more of a better memory if you like than, than my debut Absolutely uh, but what were your highlights playing for Scotland then? You had 31 caps so Yeah um, I think the best campaign was probably under Strachan um, where we kind of pushed Germany um, Germany went top of the group, Poland finished second and Ireland ended up beating us in the third place by a point. I think we were, mm. I think we'd accumulated something like 18 points in that campaign and still never qualified. We were, we were probably the highest points in the fourth position, but still, somehow still managed to miss out. I mean, Ireland and Poland finished above us in that campaign and we we beat them both at home and drew with them both away. They, they didn't beat us home and away, but I think they both took points off of Germany. They both beat Germany at home. And we got beat for Germany home and away. So um, I think we dropped the points to Georgia that that campaign as well, away from home. So a um, combination of all their results, just we just missed out. But um, they were the most enjoyable games and, and the most enjoyable campaign that I had um, in a Scotland jersey. That was a good Scotland side, that. And it, we were basically robbed. I mean, Ireland took four points out of six against Germany. Well, they, they, they mugged them in uh, they mugged them in Dublin and they did the same in Germany. It was a, I think if I remember rightly, and I've no done this, I'm sure it was John O'Shea in injury time. It was about their only shot on goal. Maybe got a one-one draw. 
And I think they did. I think Ireland did the same in, in Georgia. I think McGeady scored a cracker in injury time as well, and they won two one. So they 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 found a way just to the amount of goals they got right at the end to to, to nick points. The, that's how the Irish got into third place. Fair play to them; they still had to win a playoff, which they did, and, and got to the got to the finals. But I, I I don't think Scotland were the fourth best team in the group. But yeah, I think that was it was most enjoyable one, but it was probably the most. That the most difficult one for kind of me to take, or or the country to take, all the boys to take. So, um, to have put so much in and to have the results that we had, but still kind of miss out was was definitely the most disappointing one. But like I said, it was still enjoyable from my personal kind of experience in it as well. Must be a huge sense of pride for you and your family and all that when you do line up for Scotland. Though, so, I mean, we spoke to Stevie Crawford about it, and he basically said it was a highlight of his career. He just thought it was. You know what he'd spoken to his granddad about and things like that, and what actually happened. He was just sort of overwhelmed about you know this is what I've been working all my career for. Sure, I think it's probably every kind of young boy's dream. I was no different, you know, to put to line up in that top eleven in your country. You know, you know you've come a long way, and you're you're doing well to to reach that to reach that that stage. So it was something that um, I was definitely proud to to pull on the jerseys for sure. Yeah. So uh, moving on, then you stayed to Rangers till 2012. The the finances there began to derail a little bit, and and you signed for Norwich. Uh, I, I thought places like Bursaspor mentioned as well. Was there was there a few options at the, at the time? Uh, yeah, Bursaspor was a, a strange one. We played them in the Champions League with Rangers, um, and from then they, I think, I had a, a year left on my Rangers contract before I signed a new contract with, with Rangers. Um, and they, they tried to buy me. And again, when when we got the opportunity to leave Rangers, when they went into liquidation, they, they came in again. So they were a club that had always shown, uh, you know, good interest in me. And um, that was the kind of only opportunity I got to play abroad. Um, again, I, I, the lure of the Premier League was probably the, the deciding factor, um, having that chance to go down there and match up against the you know, the league was thriving at that at that time. Still is obviously, um, but to line up against the the caliber of players that they they produce and go and play at the stadiums, kind of week in week out, that you would go and visit is was probably what um, what sealed the deal for me, really. Yeah. I imagine things. I, I I looked at this. I thought Alan McGregor had signed for Bursaspor, but he didn't. He signed for Besiktas. I, I think they were maybe in for him, but I, I thought there was one or two Scots had gone there. But yeah, Kenny Kenny Miller was there. Before, right, okay, so Kenny, um, and I actually spoke to Kenny briefly about it when they were kind of interested in me. And, um, yeah, he, 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 I don't think he enjoyed his time over there. I think uh, he, he was frustrated with a lot of things, and um, he just kind of told me about his experiences as well. But like I said, I, I made my own decision. But it was, it was, it was to go and play in the Premier League was the, the deciding factor. You had five years at Norwich, a uh, bit of a roller coaster, I guess, uh, relegations and promotions. The, the highlight, I guess, was going up uh, in the playoff final at Wembley against Middlesbrough, setting up a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was probably the highlight. He's a starving Borough of the ball. When you go behind, you desperately want to get the ball back to have an impact on the game, and Norwich are just denying Borough that. That's an inviting Whitaker for. He'll go Lyle and find Redman! It's two! It's a blistering start from Norwich City. You could say you, you go to all these stadiums and play in the Premier League, but for me personally, that was probably the season that I'd played the most games, was most involved and felt most part of it um, to go all the way to the playoff final. We just missed out automatic promotion. Um, but we had a really good Norwich side then. And um, yeah, we managed to kind of blow Middlesbrough away in the first 20 minutes of that match. And they had beaten us home and away in the league that season. So um, the game plan kind of worked for that game and it was to get a fast start. And Middlesbrough were really good if they took the lead, holding on to the lead, they were very good that season at doing that. So we knew it was important to, to push them straight for the start and get a fast start. And I think we were 2-0 up within 20 minutes and the game was done really after that. Well, you look at the link of play down the right-hand side, Stephen Whitaker and Nathan Redmond. Whitaker provides the width, and Nathan Redmond intelligently comes in field. This is one of the goals of the championship season. Just watch Whitaker 
He very much picks out Nathan Rembrandt, and this is unerring. Konstantopoulos, not a chance of stopping it. Uh, it was Karanka's side, wasn't it? And like you say, they were they, they were great in front. They could hold on, but they weren't so good that they, you know, they had to chase a game. And I, I remember Norwich held on fairly comfortably in the second half. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was a mistake that let us get the first goal, um, and then their game plan has to have to change a little bit. They then have to be a little bit more expansive to try and get to get back in the game, which allowed us to to score the goal that we did. I think we played so many consecutive passes and I uh, managed to slide in uh, Nathan Redmond for the, for the, to make it 2-0. So, again, a, a, a really good memory for me. And, and one of the few sides to, like you say, suffer the heartache of getting pipped and finishing third and then come back and win it. Not, normally, that's the, the kiss of death when that happens. I, I was wondering, though, that the fact that you got Ipswich in the semi-final, yeah. I, I guess that maybe helped. <laughs> you can't sit there and feel sorry for yourself when you've got a derby win. Possibly, yeah. I never thought of it like that, but it probably did help the the whole feel of the game to kind of beat your rivals in the playoff home and away. So um, it was a big thing down there for the Norfolk Suffolk kind of derby and the, the rivalry that comes with that. So it was uh, it probably helped us get back up for the game, and then the final takes kind of care of itself after that. So um, yeah, it probably helped. I've got friends down there. I know it's I know it's pretty serious that, that derby there. <laughs> And then, of course, you returned to Hibs 2017, 10 years after you left. What is it like walking back in a club 10 years on when it feels like it's going home? You're going home, but there's, you know, there's obviously subtle changes all over the place and, and a whole load of new people. Yes, it's subtle, but it was completely different. I mean, the facilities that the club had from when I was there first time round to second time round was night and day. The setup that, um, and the structure that they had under the first team was fantastic. The training ground that they still go to today is... Um, a great facility for the academy players to improve, the first team to improve. Um, so it was good to go back to that environment and and, and play for the club again in, in different circumstances. You know, back in the day when, when we used to travel Easter Road and load the minibus up and travel here, there and everywhere throughout Edinburgh to, to find a piece of grass to train on. So it was, uh, you know, you tell these boys in the academy what was like, <laughs> um, what we used to have to do and, they don't realise how kind of good they've got um, down, down at the setup at the minute that they've got. And a decent spell there when you look at a fourth, fifth and sixth. I know it was technically seventh at the, the season it was cut short there, but, you know, mm-hmm. fighting in the right half of the league all the time you were there. Yeah, well, when I came up, we obviously spoke to Neil Lennon about signing and they had just been promoted, uh, winning the Scottish Cup and being promoted from the Championship. So it was their first season back and there was the club had the good momentum from that Scottish Cup win and a good feel factor about the club at that moment in time. So it was nice to kind of jump on that and um, finish fourth in the league. And we pushed, we pushed Rangers, and, uh, Rangers and Aberdeen that season to finish second. We just fell short. Um, but we did equal with the, the club's all-time record tally. So... Right. You know, it was it was a great achievement again for for the group of boys that played that season. So it was uh, out of the three seasons that that was obviously my most favourite, if you like, and the most that I was probably involved in. So it was a nice way to come back and, and do that. Any any small part you wish you were there six months a year earlier to win that Scottish Cup? Of course, I mean I think you know the guys um, involved in that match will be legends for life. Um, just for the fact that it took them so long to win it again, which nobody would have wanted that to be the case. But, you know, when that victory finally comes around, it's something to save you. So, um, no credit to the guys and, and the guys who were on the pitch that day to to stand up and, and get and take the trophy back to him. And now you've graduated to the mighty powers. Like I said, you've, you've hit the summit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, it's all, it's all in... You know, proportion to where I am and what I want to do now in my career. Look, there's great potential in this club, and um, I want to be a part of seeing it grow and, and getting back to where it was when I was young, coming through. Dunfermline was an SPL team, so um, that's where we're all kind of working hard, and hopefully, we can get the club back there. Amen to that. We'll just we we'll just end with one or two interview questions, Stephen. If that's all right. Uh, your greatest achievement in football so far. Um. I think you always look to when you play with your country. I think um, you know pulling on that Scotland jersey and representing um, 
you know, the national side, something really special. Um, club level is probably the, the 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 run for Rangers going to the old way to UEFA Cup was was special as well. So they're probably the two things that um, is probably the best achievements. Best goal was that a silly question, or is there there's, is there another one out there? Um, I think just the stage that I scored that goal on and the. Um, the way it was scored, yeah, it was probably the one that I would probably remember the most. I have scored a few long rangers that probably most players will do throughout their career at some point. Would you know split spectacular shot from distance that goes in the top corner from? But I think just the stage and the manners on that scored that goal was probably the best one in, in Lisbon. Yeah, uh, best player you played with? Um, played with some good players, and um, I think for me when I was. The, the kind of five years that I played at Rangers, um, a player that probably helped me thrive was Steve Davis. Um, he kind of he, he played right midfield in front of me, but tucked in if you like. So it, it kind of helped me bomb forward like I used to do as a fullback. Um, and his vision and his touch and everything. If you made the runs, you know you knew you, he would find you with the passes. So he he probably was. Um, at that moment in time, a really big player for Rangers and, you know, a pleasure to play alongside. And the best player you played against? Yeah, I pro- again, I'd probably have to look to the Premier League for that one. Um, I-, I always went through games when I played uh, uh, for Spain, actually. Uh, sorry, played against Spain. Uh, played against David Silva. And um, <laughs> played against David Silva, obviously, for Man City against Norwich. And, and I'd come off the, the-, the pitch thinking... I just never had the chance, opportunity to tackle him. I played against him the whole match, and I just felt like I would never have. He never showed me the ball. Um, just such a clever, intelligent player. Um, you can see the class of obviously what he's achieved down there. And um, yeah, he was probably one that uh, it amused me sometimes when uh, when I came off the pitch. It was just um, the silkiness of his touches and, and keeping it away from me. I just never had the opportunity to to dominate a position that you, that you maybe some things would try and do. You're certainly in good company there. There's many a defender in world football that hasn't been able to cope very well with David Silva. <laughs> um, I'm just saying in the, the top of my screen, Zoom is going to defeat us, so I'm going to, to tie up now. Stephen, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Michael, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, thank you. And until next time, Mon the Pars. Mon the Pars. <laughs>